Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Bryce Young, first team reps. We also have, he's QB1 Man, now, come Brian on. Murphy. Man, no, he's, a, he's QB1, Brian Murphy. Did we think he was not going to be QB1? Oh, I know. I, he, he's getting there at some point, but it's official now. It's <laughs> official. We're going to dive into that. Duke baseball gets a win. Stanley Cup Finals Game 3. We have ourselves a series now. Let's go full Zion. Let's get to hit it and quit it. Earlier this afternoon, we talked to State Senator Jim Perry, who's the... Senate Majority Whip for the North Carolina Senate. And you asked him, Brian Murphy, this question regarding conference realignment and what UNC and NC State can or may not be able to do. We talked a little bit about conference realignment earlier today. Um, Someday there may come a time where the ACC Mm. doesn't exist anymore or, or schools are looking to get out of the ACC. Certainly I know both of those schools have powerful alums. Do you think there's a, a any chance that those schools would be allowed to to leave the ACC and go their own separate ways, even if it meant you know one of them gets to the SEC and and the other one doesn't? Oh man, you're giving me a trap question, <laughs> uh, but I I will answer it. No, no, I do not. So if no. if Carolina got invited to the SEC and NC State was going to be relegated to a, a diminished ACC, you don't think they'd be allowed to go? I I do not. All right. It's just one idiot's opinion. <laughs> no, no, one powerful idiot's opinion. <laughs> okay, there it is. That's his opinion. That's that's his opinion regarding this. And, Brian, you think this is basically the reason for it is just because there would be too much of a financial disparity between those two schools. Yeah, I think. I, In regards <laughs> to money generated revenue-wise. Every time I hear that clip now, I'm going to realize that I called a state senator a powerful idiot. Um, yeah, I, I just think. You know, we, we've seen this in the past with Virginia and Virginia Tech. We, you know, but we've also seen it the other way. Oklahoma was allowed to leave Oklahoma State. Yeah, that's true. Oklahoma is allowed to go to the SEC. Oklahoma State is staying behind in a diminished Big 12. Mm-hmm. Not not the worst situation. The Big 12 is doing just fine, but not the SEC. And I think a similar situation would be here. If, if Carolina got to go, got an invitation to the SEC or the Big 10, the ACC would be okay. It wouldn't be doing great, but it'd be okay. Um, I just want to get – yeah, I, I just think they've invested so much in both of those schools that they would hate to see the the investment in one of those programs not be rewarded. And so they would use the leverage that they have and say, hey, if you want this school, you got to take this school. Would the SEC go for that if it's the only way to get Carolina? We'll have to see. I'm not sure. Uh, speaking of conference realignment, let's quit that. Let's hit this. I hit it so good. You have an article up right now on WRLSportsFan.com talking about conference realignment. You mentioned how Oklahoma is going to the SEC starting in 2024 along with Texas. Now, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey, who's been a, who's brought, expanded the SEC from 10 to 16 schools over the last, what, 15 years? 
essentially. Well, thir- yeah, about a little more than 30 years, and, and it's been his prede- oh, yes. predecessors. But since the early 1990s, they've gone from 10 to and in 2024. Right, I, I misspoke on the They'll day. have 16. On the timeline. So, yeah, it, he's expanded the conference, <laughs> or most recently has. Now, all of a sudden, he's like, nah, <laughs> let's not do any more of this realignment stuff. Everyone just stay where you are. Yeah. Funny for a guy that has two schools coming in. Right. I, and I think Sankey is also the guy who helped pitch the 12-team playoff. Yes. And so he worked hard on that. And, and he so he wears these two really distinct hats. Mm-hmm. Right? And and he admitted this in, in the panel discussion he was at. On one hand, he's got to do what's best for the SEC. Yeah. And that means if Texas and Oklahoma are available, you got to go get Texas and Oklahoma. Absolutely. And if there comes a time where ACC teams are available, he's got to go get ACC teams. But he said what's best for college football is to have a national sport. So to have a sport where there is a Pac-12 and they're putting teams in this expanded playoff. Mm-hmm. To have a team where there are teams in the Northeast and they're they're possibly putting teams in the playoff. And to have a healthy ecosystem for the sport nationally is good for the SEC as well. So he's wearing these two hats and at times I think they conflict with each other, right? Sure. He, he wants the SEC to have as many teams in the playoff as possible while at the same time acknowledging, hey, if you're going to get ESPN or, or Fox to, to fork out the big bucks, mm-hmm. well, then the West Coast has to be relevant. Yeah, Teams in you know New York has to care a little bit. It can't just be Clemson against Georgia every year. And so I, I think he's in a really interesting spot, maybe, maybe a more interesting spot than he should be, right? There probably should be a commissioner of college football so that the commissioner of the SEC is not also worried about the West Coast. Like, th- those are competing interests. Let's quit that. Let's hit this. You're killing me, Petey. You're killing me. So we go down to Charlotte where we have our savior of the Carolina Panthers, Bryce Young, being the guy. Bryce Young elevated to QB1. We all knew it was going to happen. It was As soon as he was ready to go, it was going to happen. So this isn't like major breaking thing. I actually I honestly admit I did not expect it to happen or like basically happen this quickly. I guess you could say. I figured they would maybe get into training camp before we start seeing this. Maybe announce it after like the first preseason game, something like that. But it was like, oh, okay, we're going to do this in June. That's totally fine. Bryce Young, the first overall pick in the draft for the Carolina Panthers, talked about getting first-team reps. For me, uh, it's just about attacking every day, uh, trying to do everything I can um, you know, to, to, to get better for the team, um, us as a team, us as a unit. Um, you know, pushing ourselves to accomplish our goals. So regardless of where that's at, um, you know, that's up to the coaches. It's out of my hands. Um, so, you know, I just want to show up every day and do all I can to help the team. Um, that's really been the approach. Oh, it is in your hands, it, It's unfortunate that the Panthers have to practice at an airport. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear that sound? Yeah, I know. Are, like they, are they filming that right beside the highway that goes beside Bank of America Stadium? I've been wondering be. the same thing. They might be, in all honesty. I thought they were doing it right on the tarmac. Their plane's taking off over over Bryce Young. Um, man, it's just hard. It's hard for me to get too excited, right? Why? He's, he's the first pick of the draft. Exactly. We know he's going to start game one. And? I think his weapons are terrible. I think the Panthers are headed for another 7-10 and 10 season. Wow. And... As long as Bryce Young says shows that he can be a starting quarterback in this league, I think it's a successful year. 9-8 division championship <laughs> playoffs. Let's go. Let's go. By the way, Panthers head coach Frank Reich did talk about the progression not only for Bryce Young but for the team. This was kind of the time that we had marked this week to just kind of um, move him up. It's just the next step. Bryce has continued to step in there and do a good job and continue to make progress. I love where we're at right now, but we still have a long way to go. 
There is a long way to go, but the future is bright, Brian Murphy. <laughs> don't rain on our parade. Man, these are just it's just, uh, don't don't rain on off-season cliches. Coaching cliches, oh, player cliches. We're in the off-season cliche market. I brought this up yesterday about how, as of right now, Bryce Young is hitting every single expectation, right, in terms of his preparation. By all accounts, the players are saying, they're saying, no, this guy's actually truly taking command of the offense, command of the huddle. Now, it's that's a little bit different tone than being like, yeah, he's a rookie developing, like he shows the good physical traits, but, you know, he's still developing. These guys are like, no, this dude's got it. And if those guys saying this dude's got it, I, that gives me a little bit more confidence uh, in Bryce Young. But what happens with week one rolls around? He's hit every single expectation up to this point. And then all of a sudden it's like, eh, here's that three, four interception game where it's 187 yards and he just completed, you know, 16 of 30 passes. Oh, we're going to have one bad, of those. Oh, I'm, we're going to have those struggles. But what happens when he doesn't hit his expectations for himself or even us as fans or as coaches have for him? What happens then? Like, does the, does the confidence waver? Because – this guy's been successful his whole life. Yeah, I don't. I mean, you know, I go back to Peyton Manning, and I'm not expecting Chase Young to be. I mean, I I keep I want to call him Chase Young. Chase Young's the uh, the defensive end with the Washington Commanders. Yeah, let's, you know, let's number two pick overall. So no, pretty no good torn ACLs, please. But Bryce Young, I don't expect him to be Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning led the league in interceptions his first year. Oh yeah. I mean, young quarterback struggle. What 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 you don't want to see is it breaks you. Like it exactly. broke, it broke Sam Darnold, mm-hmm. right? I, I'm seeing ghosts out there. Yeah, uh, on a Monday night game with can't you know with the microphone on him, I'm seeing ghosts out there. Yep, we saw it break uh, David Carr, not Derek Carr, but his brother David Carr. Just and Houston just, just got beat up, just like got pummeled. He could they couldn't protect him? He he just took a beating and it, and it and it shattered his career. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen it with other quarterbacks who I don't think like prepared the right way, Johnny Manziel or Jamarcus Russell, um, but. So we've seen quarterbacks get broken by failure, mm-hmm. but we've also seen a lot of quarterbacks fail and 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 build upon that. Yeah, I think Chase, I think Bryce is a guy who's definitely going to build upon that. The question is, I mean, you still got to answer the basic question: Is he good enough? Yeah, I mean that you know before we get to failing and coming back, you got to reach a baseline: Are you good enough to play in this league? And certainly, everybody thinks he does. He is. He went number one overall. But that's the first thing. Are you good enough? And if you're good enough, then then you'll get through those struggles. All right, let's quit that. Let's hit this. Let's go to the world of soccer real quick. By the way, NC Courage are in action this Saturday, 8 o'clock at home. They take on the Chicago Red Stars. Lionel Messi going to enter Miami of MLS. I find this interesting in the sense of what he's getting in terms of compensation. He's actually getting like a share of the TV deal from Apple. He's getting, I think, maybe like a small minority ownership stake in the franchise as well. That's a lot going for a guy who actually turned down like some words of like reportedly upwards of like $1.5 billion from the Saudi league. But that's a different conversation. But this guy's getting a lot for a player who's going into the twilight of his career. Now we're seeing soccer continuing to like boom. I think we're actually hitting the next soccer boom right now. But the one problem with MLS is that stupid Apple TV deal. That's the only place you can watch MLS is on Apple TV. You cannot reach your full audience or even a casual fan if that's the case. When most American soccer fans either enjoy watching the NWSL 
on TV or they watch the Premier League, which is in a completely different country. But you can't, it's because it's so hard to actually casually watch an MLS game right now. And this is the problem that all sports leagues are going to have mm-hmm. moving forward, right? The money is with the streamers. You know, the, the Apple has the money, Netflix has the money. But the viewers are still with the, the cable bundle. As much as it's falling apart, mm-hmm. there's still way more viewers for ESPN than for Apple TV. Oh, yeah. And so do you go for the money or do you go for the viewers, even if it's less money and, and less desirable time slots and things like that? We're seeing the Pac-12 fight fight this out right now. Do we take Apple's money, but maybe no one will watch us? Or do we take ESPN's much lower money and maybe people will watch us at 1030 you know, Eastern time? On ESPN too. Yeah, I don't. I think this is the kind of move you have to make if you're the MLS to try to get people to Apple. Like, am I going to turn over to Apple TV? Am I going to sign up? I already have a subscription. Am I going to tune in for, you know, Columbus against Austin? Like, no. But am I going to tune in to watch Lionel Messi? Potentially, yeah. Yeah, probably. I'll, I'll probably check out a game or two. Hey, I want to see how Messi's doing in the in the MLS. I, this is this is my big concern with with MLS as well as the NWSL is that a, a vast majority of their games now MLS is very much exclusively on behind a paywall, whereas what we are seeing with like the NFL for example, or even like what the Big Ten did, what was the first things they worked out before going to a streaming service? It was networks. Yeah, it was the Big Ten. This is where I thought the Big Ten was so smart going with Fox and CBS and NBC diversifying yourself because you can get these things over the air. It's a lot easier to access these things, whereas opposed to, again, I wait, t- just to watch MLS soccer, which is like the what the fifth best league in the world, I got to go behind a paywall for the fifth best men's soccer team in the world or league in the world. I got to go behind a paywall. Well, cable's no a paywall. Well, cable, but cable, I get all this other stuff too. I can right. watch... ESPN, NBC, Fox, CBS, all TNT. ABC, TNT. I get, I get all of that in cable. I get all of that in the bundle of cable, or I can get it all on YouTube TV. Right? I gotta pay for something else for it. No thanks. Yeah. No well, thanks. I think we've seen the the NBA finals are on ABC. They've mm-hmm. moved them to broadcast. The NHL finals, the Stanley Cup finals are on TNT. Yeah. And and so we'll see what the difference in ratings is between those. Um, but certainly, even getting off of cable, like. I agree. What the Big Ten did was so smart. Getting off of cable and getting to those broadcast networks might be the key to audience at this point. Oh, yeah. You got you to gotta maximize your reach. All right, let's quit that. Let's hit this. Duke baseball got a big 5-4 win over Virginia in game one of the Super Regional. Game two is tomorrow at noon. You can listen to it over on Buzz Sports Radio. Here is the final call. Talent is ready. 2-1 pitch, Geloff swings and drives one. Out to left field. Albright back on the warning track. Slowing at the wall. He's got it! That's a Blue Devil winner! The Duke Blue Devils are a win away from the College World Series. Geloff just getting it off the end of the bat. And Albright right at the wall makes the grab. And the Blue Devils will play for a chance at Omaha tomorrow. It's hugs and high fives in the center of the diamond. Final score in game one of this Charlottesville Super Regional. Duke five, Virginia four. That's our good friend Chris Edwards on the call. He's going to join us here in about 15 minutes from Charlottesville. 
And that was a pretty dramatic ending, Brian. We watched it right as the show kicked off at 3 o'clock. And, man, that was a dramatic finish because, yeah, Virginia was down to the last out before you know it. They get an infield single. Then they get a walk. You're thinking, ooh, okay, this is uh, not looking good for Duke. And that ball launched off a, a, a Gelov's bat, and you're just like, uh-oh. I- if you're a Duke fan. You're like, uh-oh, but then he just makes a tremendous catch at the wall. I can't wait to ask Chris what he thought because you can hear in that yeah. call. You can hear in the call the crowd. The crowd sounds like they think it's gone, and he, at the beginning of that call, I think he thought it was gone too. Yeah. Just just you can tell by the tone of his voice, the inflection. I think he thought it was out of there, and then you know, as the, the left fielder went back and back and back, it looked like he was going to have a chance to catch it. But, yeah, it looked like it was gone. Now Duke one win away from Omaha. Let's quit that. Let's hit this. Duke football. Hell yes, it's Duke football. Stanley Cup Finals game three last night. The Florida Panthers get a 3-2 overtime win over the Vegas Golden Knights. They pull within one of that series. It's 2-1 still in favor of Vegas. Game four is tomorrow. You can listen to it right here on 99.9 The Fan tomorrow evening. I had flashbacks. I had flashbacks because that Sergei Bobrovsky guy <laughs> once again was stellar. That Matthew Kachuk guy kept scoring big-time goals again. I had flashbacks, Brian Murphy. Yeah, if you're a Canes fan, hurts. if you're a Canes fan, that was a bad that was a bad uh, deja vu. It right? was. It was that was terrible. Bobrovsky standing on his head again and Kachuk coming up with the biggest plays of the game, including uh, the game tire with you know two, two minutes, two and a half minutes left in the third period while they had pulled their goalie. I mean, yep. the Panthers were down to – that was it. They had to score a goal. And, of course, it was Kachuk, the guy who came through. Of course. All right, let's quit that. Let's hit this. Damn! NBA game four for the finals is tonight. You can listen to that right here on 99.9 The Fan. Again, game four tonight. Denver leads the series two games to one. Brian Murphy for Miami. If they're not hitting on all cylinders, it's tough. Whereas for Denver – they can have a couple of their key guys like Caldwell Pope or Porter Jr. not contribute offensively or really just contribute much at all, and they still find ways to win. Well, it helps to have the two-time MVP who's it putting up 30, 20, and 10. Well, yeah. And Jamal Murray has been terrific. And mm-hmm. Jamal Murray's missed the last two postseasons for Denver with injuries. And, and you know, if they go on to win this, you kind of look back and say, oh, what could have been? Yeah. Like, like if they had had Murray healthy with, with Joker playing at this level – Maybe they are in a couple of more finals. Um, I think Denver's the better team, uh, but I've thought that about a lot of Miami's opponents throughout the postseason. So True. not, not going to count Miami out completely, but I think Denver is, is in good position in this series and, and should win it. All right, let's quit that. Let's hit this. The building is on fire. The NBA draft is less than two weeks away now. It's two weeks away from yesterday, so 13 days away. For the NBA draft, Victor Wembanyama, the number one overall pick. We know he's going to San Antonio. It's just a matter of just actually getting to the date. But something that impresses me about him right now, he's still playing for his French team in their postseason right now. We see American-born players who won't even let teams come like, like, no, I'm not going to come try out for you. I'm not going to do any workouts for you because you're in the teens of this draft, not understanding, hey, teams might move up and down in this draft whatever some of these some of these guys won't even do measurements at the combine for wingspan and all like their height and all that kind of stuff won't even do that stuff but this guy's still playing two weeks away from the draft he's still playing games he's playing for a championship i think they're in the playoffs you know i'm i'm interested in what the hornets do at number two of course the hornets get number two in a draft where there is a clear number one pick 
This has happened to them several times. They missed out on Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, they missed out on Anthony Davis. Yep. Um, because they've gotten the number two pick when the number one pick was quite obvious. Number two pick looks like it's going to be between Scoot Henderson um, and and Brandon Miller. Brandon Miller, of course, played at Alabama, has some off the field issues. Uh, you know, may have allegedly transported a gun to to a crime scene uh, in which a young woman was shot and killed. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the Hornets do. Is is you know Miller six nine? That's what you want in this league. Scoot Henderson is a smaller guard. Can he play with with Lamella Ball? Mm-hmm. I think so. Um, but but what do you do if you're the Hornets and and the number two pick? I went back and looked at some of the number two picks. Some have been pretty good, right? If you got a John ja Morant, you'd feel pretty good. Yeah. If you got Brandon Ingram, you'd yeah. feel pretty good. If you got James Wiseman, yeah. Jalen Green, Marvin Bagley. I don't know how you'd feel. I just think, you know, for a franchise that has had so little success, the fact that they missed out on a on a generational player like Webadyama again, it just feels like a kick. Let's quit that. Let's hit this. Bro. UNC is now seeing Marcus Page is joining their coaching staff. I think this is pretty awesome to see a former Carolina player joining back with their with their with their team to be part of the coaching staff. Here's my here's my hater take. Okay, Not, has nothing to do with Marcus Page, who hit one of the most amazing shots in in Carolina history, if not a little bit forgotten at this point. Carolina's coaching staff is entirely made up of players who played at Carolina or okay. coaches who who played at Carolina. You know how hard it is to play at North Carolina. Hard. Yeah, like you got to be in the top one percent of basketball players to play at mm-hmm. Carolina. So you're telling me there's nobody in the bottom ninety nine percent of basketball players. Who could be a good enough coach to coach at Carolina? Like you're, you are limiting your coaching staff so much by only hiring former Tar Heel players. You had to be one of the best high school players in America. Yeah, and you had to be an American most likely, um, in order to play at North Carolina. So you're eliminating ninety nine, probably point four percent of all basketball coaches because they didn't play basketball at Carolina. I just think you have to diversify. I, I don't. I don't think the University of North Carolina or Duke or NC State or, has a monopoly on good ideas. If Carolina had this policy in place, guess who they never would have hired? Dean Smith, because Dean Smith did not play at North Carolina. Yeah. I just think it's a look. The, Marcus Page may be phenomenal, and this has nothing to do with Marcus Page. So he is going to be the uh, real quick. His, his title is supposed to be the the director of team and player development. I just feel like you've got to open the door to, to more voices, to more backgrounds. If the only mm-hmm. backgrounds you have are guys who played college ball at University of North Carolina, I think I think you're that's a silo. That's a little bit of a silo. I, I, we, I mean, look down the street at Duke, though. I mean, John Shire played at Duke. Emil Jefferson, Nolan Smith, those guys have all been part of their staff, too. But he went off. He went off that script. John Shire hired coaches who have not, who did sure. not play at, at Duke. He hired some assistants on his staff. Who did not play at Duke, and and so that's all I'm asking. I'm just I just think as as North Carolina, you should not only limit yourself to guys who are good enough to play basketball at North Carolina. You know, Brad Stevens wasn't good enough to play basketball at North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Greg Popovich wasn't good enough to have played basketball at North Carolina. Those guys, there could be young coaches who are going to be the next Brad Stevens, the next Greg Popovich, who weren't good enough to play basketball at North Carolina. I, I think you should try to get some of those guys on your staff. I see what you're saying, but I think they also they want to make sure that the Carolina culture of like the program, the program's history, 
the best way to make sure you have that is the people that know it and have been through it as a player. I think that's something that might be. So, I mean, there's value in both. There's value in both. Sure, I'm not saying you got to get all guys, none of them who've ever played at Carolina. Sure. I just think you could, voices of people who have, have had some different experiences might be valuable. All right, let's quit that and let's hit this real quick. Big Rock, Big Rock Fishing Tournament starts up this weekend down in Moorhead City. I'm looking for Catch-23. <laughs> Catch-23, Michael Jordan's boat. By the way, the winner last year, Mercenaria, won over $3.4 million in prizes. They also had the biggest catch last year, 572 pounds of blue marlin. You know what the biggest catch in the tournament's history is? 2019, 914 pounds. Uh, so so they, basically the guy who won last year caught the equivalent of like me and you in a, in, in, on, in a fish. Speak for yourself. <laughs> almost me. Almost me alone there. Speak for yourself. <laughs> Have, what's the biggest fish you've ever caught? Not that big. That, oh, gosh. I don't know. He was probably a largemouth bass. It was probably like seven or eight pounds maybe. Something yeah. along those lines. I, I mean, I, I, actually, I did, I've caught some larger trout uh, before. But, yeah, I'm, honestly, I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, real quick, by the way, uh, I have to get this mentioned here. Premier Lacrosse League is in Charlotte <laughs> this weekend. Games are in action tonight. Two games today, two games tomorrow in Charlotte. The Premier Lacrosse League is in the state of North Carolina this weekend. By the way, they're actually talking about making home cities. So the, P- the PLL does like a barnstorming style is the way they do it. They're looking at now starting next year assigning teams to each ci- or cities to each of the teams. Both Raleigh and Charlotte on the list of finalists. Just an FYI, folks. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Best of the Drive podcast. We're here with Coach Pete, Capital Financial Advisory Group. Coach, let's hear about your power plan. Well, Coach Pete's power plan, 22 steps to get you on the right direction for retirement. Also, make sure you have a successful, income-filled retirement. Tim, the next 10 people are going to give that away. No cost or obligation. For the power plan, call 800-691-3215. You can also go ahead and text Tim to 600-700. The phone number, 800-691-3215, or text Tim to 600-700. So we only had two schools from the state of North Carolina make it to Super Regionals. Out of eight. Out of eight. Out of eight. One of those schools is one win away already to getting to Omaha. That's Duke after a big 5-4 win over Virginia in the Charlottesville Super Regional. Duke got a 5-4 win. They were trailing down, they're trailing 4-3 in the top of the eighth inning. They get a pair of runs, and there was some drama there in the bottom of the ninth. That's why we actually turned to our good friend, the play-by-play voice of the Duke Blue Devils for both baseball and women's basketball. Chris Edwards joining us here on the Keystone Automotive Group Hotline. All right. That final out of the game, when that ball left the bat of that Virginia player and it was going towards the fence, did you think they just had to walk off? No, it was never in doubt. Yeah, oh, never in <laughs> doubt. Don't lie to me, Chris. Don't lie to me. Don't lie no, to me. Never, no, never in doubt. Never for a second did I doubt it. Yes, I, I, th- I thought, oh, no, this is not going to be good. And then, fortunately, the ballpark held it. You know, it's funny, the pitch before – uh, Geloff actually fouled it off down the third baseline, and it just got out of play. Like our third baseman almost made a play to end the game, and then the next pitch is the one that he hits to the warning track. And you're just like, man, the ballpark w- was too small, and now it was too big, and the baseball gods smiled on the Blue Devils today, that's for sure. When you look at this Duke team, uh, obviously a huge turnaround from last year. I know it's not a team that relies on its starting pitching. So when you look at the, at the, at the next game and, and possibly you know a game three, how How is the Blue Devils pitching staff? you have enough arms to get through this? 
Yeah, that's been one of the strengths of this team all year long has been the bullpen. And Duke purposely didn't throw Alex Gal today. Alex has kind of become the de facto Friday night guy mm-hmm. for this team, if you want to call it that. He's a guy that's gone two times through the order for Duke this year, and that's kind of his role on Fridays is give Duke two times through the order, hopefully get you through five. I mean, he's the only guy that's pitched into the sixth inning at all this year. So it was kind of a twofold, I think, with Gal today. One, it was holding because he threw on Monday night. Didn't throw a ton, 40, 50 pitches, whatever it was, but still give him that extra day of rest. And you've also got your most trusted or most experienced starter going on Saturday. And that way, if you win game one, as the Blue Devils did, now you've got your guy, your Friday, your ace, whatever you want to call it. He's going tomorrow with a chance to pitch you to Omaha. If you had lost today, you've got that guy to try to pitch you back into the series and force the game on Sunday. So it lines up great for the Blue Devils. Coach Pollard said after the game today that he imagines everybody's going to be live today. As I look at my scorebook today, Pro's 33 pitches, Bielenson 10, O'Shell 34, Talon 21. I imagine all those guys would be live tomorrow. I mean, if you told those guys, hey, you got to go out and win one ball game to go to Omaha, can you pitch? I think everyone to a man would say, yes, sir, I'll take the ball for yeah. you today. It's pretty amazing, right? The, the Blue Devils, Dukes adopted kind of that, that Tampa Bay Devil Rays uh, strategy in which – you know, there's kind of openers and, and long bulk inning guys, and uh, you use the bullpen a lot, but it's been tremendously successful. No, it really has, and it, some of it's by, by necessity, too. I mean, Duke lost Luke Fox, who was going to be the Friday night starter in the fall. I mean, Luke went down with an, with an arm injury. He was done for the year. And then you've got Jonathan Santucci, one of the best Friday night guys in the ACC. Santucci goes down with an uh, injury in the Friday night game against Pittsburgh. And then Duke, to their credit, they just figured it out. You know, the coaching staff adapted. These players are so tough. And when we talked about it when I was on with you guys earlier this week, just how mm-hmm. much fun this team has being around one another. It's probably one of the toughest teams that I've been around. Like, nothing seems to phase this group. I mean, they give up three runs in the sixth inning today. And you're like, oh, man, you know, down by a run or two. And then they just find a way in the eighth inning, and then they get it done in the ninth. But, yeah, I mean, I, I saw a tweet earlier this week that Duke's average start by a starting pitcher this year is like right around three innings. Yeah. How crazy is that? It's crazy that in this era of college baseball where yeah. the bats are so hot, where everybody's old, everybody can hit. I mean, it's just bullpen by committee. It's this really deep pitching staff, and a lot of that credit goes to Brady Kirkpatrick, the Duke pitching coach, and the job that he's done molding all of these arms uh, this year for this team. Chris Edwards, Duke baseball play-by-play voice joining us here on the Keystone Automotive Group Hotline alongside Brian Murphy, Dennis Cox here with you. My final question is, we saw MJ Metz, Again, tore his ACL late in the season, had a big regional, had a couple more hits today, didn't have a home run, but still went two for four today. How how much is the team seeing him going through what he's going through, playing on a torn ACL, rallying around him? Yeah, I think that just kind of speaks to this whole team, Dennis. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think you look at what this team has done all year, and, and there's a lot of guys that are banged up or pitching through injuries. I mean, this was game 61 for Duke today. If you're not a little banged up, you're probably doing something wrong, right? But, I mean, he, he's certainly the rallying cry, I think, of this team. He's gone viral, right? I mean, yeah. I think unless you've been living under a rock for the last week, you've heard the story of MJ Metz. And, I mean, just really cool story, really cool what that guy's going through. I mean, he was given the option not to be on the postseason roster last round, and he told Coach, yeah, let me give it a shot. And then he goes out and hits four home runs out of Conway and has two more hits today. I mean, I just think that embodies the toughness and – uh, Coach talks about it all the all the time, the blue collar aspect of this team, and that's not to say it's a, it's a socioeconomic deal. It's a hey, we're going to pack a lunch, we're going to be that lunch pail, that blue collar. We're going to show up to work, punch the clock, and we're going to go get the job done. We talk a lot in this program about packing a lunch, like showing up for work and grinding out 
doing the dirty things that you got to do to win a baseball game. And MJ and the rest of this group kind of embodies that mantra and that culture that Coach Pollock has built over the last 11 years as the head coach of good baseball. Well, what would it mean for Duke to, to reach the College World Series? I know that's kind of a basic question, but this is a program that's never been there. What would it mean to, to get there with this team? You just mentioned some of the injuries, uh, some of the guys playing through injuries and, and some of the injuries to the pitching staff. What would it mean for, for, for the team, for the program, for, for the university in some ways? Yeah, I, I don't know that I have the words that, that I can put it into words. I mean, you know, it's been a long time since they've been there. 1961 was the last time Duke was in a College World Series. And, I mean, you know what, they've been close. This is a program that's been on the knocking on the door for so long. I went away from Omaha in 2018. I went away from Omaha – in 2019, they win the first game in, in uh, Nashville in 2019, mm-hmm. and then this guy Kumar Rocker throws a no hitter <laughs> that night. I don't know if you guys ever heard of him or not. But yeah, he was pretty good that night. Um, so like, it's just been so close. This program has been knocking on the door, and I think it's just a culmination. If they can win one more, it's a culmination of the hard work and what Coach Pollard has built and what this program has been through. I mean, I think about all the players that have come through this program since I've been doing good baseball with coach over the last 11 years. And I think about the guys that are either in professional baseball at the big league level or about to be at the big leagues in the next couple of years. And all of this group has put in, I mean, it would be just, I don't know that you can describe the defeat and what this, what this would mean to this program. I mean, it's heights that Duke baseball has never experienced. And I can't wait to, to hopefully experience it uh, this week and maybe third time's the charm for the blue devils uh, here in Charlottesville. Chris Edwards, Duke play-by-play voice joining us here on the Heastra Automotive Group hotline. Enjoy the call tomorrow. It's at noon over on Buzz Sports Radio. Uh, have fun tomorrow and bring us back some Bodo's Bagels from Charlottesville when you come back. You got it, guys. Thanks for having me on. That's Chris Edwards, play-by-play voice, joining us here on the Heath Strauss Automotive Group Hotline. Pretty awesome. Again, Duke has made the most super regionals out of any school in the ACC since 2018. They just haven't gotten to Omaha yet. Yeah, pretty amazing. So Duke reached the College World Series in 1952, 1953, and again in 1961. They did not make the NCAA tournament between 1961 and and 2016. <laughs> so we're talking 55 years wow. without even making the NCAA tournament. Wow. And they've they've made a bunch of appearances for this. this is their fifth appearance since 2016. Of course, they've three super regionals now since 2018. Uh, but you're talking about a program for 55 years, kind of in the wilderness. No NCAA tournament appearances. And now is just one win away from going to Omaha. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.